know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a lovely crowd. Helen, how are you? I'm very well, J. Keith. Uh, Helen, you actually have some special guests in the audience tonight. I sure do. My parents are here. Oh, how exciting. Are, are they the two older Korean uh, couple who was waving to everybody? Yeah, that's a clue. Okay. The, what, what gave it away? Yeah. Yeah, the, they're the, uh, the very stylish older Korean folks. Absolutely, very yeah, stylish. Yeah, are here in the audience. Uh, they're not fans of the podcast, but oh. you know, they're in town and they were like, we want to see your face, so I guess we'll come. Right. Now, it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that Margaret Cho is one of our guests tonight. Yeah, apparently I'm not a draw to my parents, but Margaret Cho is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever works. I'm can, I, can I say something yeah. really funny, though? They just met her backstage, and um, I was like, Mom, Mom, you want to meet Margaret? And my mom's like, yeah. And apparently my dad didn't pick up that part, so he, we had an entire interaction with Margaret Cho, and he had no idea it was Margaret Cho. And then afterwards, he was like, who was that? And I was like, that was Margaret Cho. And he's like, what? But let's go back <laughs> and meet her again. I didn't know. We have to redo the whole thing. <laughs> so I think we have to re-meet her after the show when he is like, you know, in the proper state of awe. Uh, well, I think maybe that can be arranged. We'll, yeah. we'll do what we can. Uh, now, you also were, uh, give a little behind the scenes, you were trying to tell the audience that they especially needed to be uh, generous with their applause and laughter today. Why? Yes, because my parents, uh, you know, they're first generation immigrants. Their English is not good enough to really get the humor. So if you guys don't laugh, they will not laugh. Uh, thank you so much for coming. We're happy to have you here. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is an actor, comedian, and podcaster who you've seen on My Boys and America, Facts versus Fiction. It's Jamie Kaler. Jamie Kaler. <laughs> Hi, Jamie Kaler. Hi, Jamie. Great to see you. Have a seat. Welcome. Hey. Hey. How is everybody? Boundless energy as he leaps up onto the well, stage. Well, I got to be honest. I'm excited to meet Margaret Cho. Oh. <laughs> is that? Is you that... will not believe which one she is. It's, <laughs> I will tell you after that you've met her. I was sitting with this woman in the uh, green room, and uh, she, uh, I, she, told, she looked like Margaret Cho. <laughs> So I didn't turn out it was. Like uh, hi, Jamie. Hi. It's wonderful to see you again. Yeah, you too, uh, we, we used to do sketch comedy together. Many moons ago. Yes, at the Acme Comedy Theater. True. And what's, uh, what's fun about that also is that I knew you as a bachelor, and now uh, you're a dad, and you do a lot of work in the dad space, let us say. That's true. <laughs> I, yes, I, uh, I was a late, uh, late bloomer. <laughs> in, um, into fatherhood? Yeah, I had, I had children at 50. Wow. Really? In that case, you look great. Wait, you're over 50? I am. Wait, you're you not kidding. No. Oh my God, I thought he was kidding because so, I was like, you oh, you're not supposed right, to. 50. You're not How really supposed to tell your age anywhere, are you? Yeah. Wait, you look my amazing. My daughter, my daughter is 50 years younger than me. Wait a minute, let me do the math. Oh my God, that meant you were 50. Do the math. She is, yeah. Holy she is crow! 50 years I don't. You're the, you're the best looking older oh, white, like for I knew a white I came guy. Here for a reason. It's yeah. really amazing because you had to qualify it, didn't yeah, you? Like, yeah, I always, <laughs> I always tell everybody having kids at my age is like getting a DUI just as you pull into the driveway. <laughs> you're like, I was almost home, officer. Yeah. No, buddy, you have two kids and now you're in serious trouble. So, but it's, it's awesome, I love it. I have two little girls um, that my wife is with today and she's like, wait, what are you doing? I go, I gotta go do this. She's like, whatever, just go. So she's at home with the kids. She sounds charming. She's wonderful. Uh <laughs> Well, talk about the two shows that you do that are related to dads. You've got a show called Dads in Parks and Father Time, a podcast. I do. So uh, when I had kids, I didn't know anything about having children. Um, I, I knew, like, drinking and hanging out and that stuff. But yeah. So kids I, love so, that, yeah. So I started talking to other dads, and all of a sudden we realized we're all going through the same uh, trials and tribulations. And so I started interviewing people like Joel McHale, uh, Jason Alexander. Uh, Dave Keckner, all these people came in and told crazy stories, and I was like, wait, that happened to me. So it is, there is kind of a, a, a 
camaraderie to the pain. It's like going to war. <laughs> where we're like, yeah, I was there in 67. <laughs> My well, speaking of going to war, uh, you were in the armed forces. I was. I was a Navy lieutenant. Wow. wow. How about that? An officer and a gentleman? I was, I was an officer. <laughs> well, thank you for your service. Absolutely. I went in. Thank you for letting me serve because I went in the year after Top Gun came out. No. <laughs> 1987. Wow, you are old. I was, I'm really old. Helen. He is. I'm a Highlander. Yeah. I might be around for a long time. <laughs> I don't know yet. There could be only Gun, one. Geez. But there was yeah. no wars then. Like, everyone's thank you for your service. And it was like, I got in right after something and right before the Gulf War. And I just hung in San Diego. And it was, I didn't wear a shirt for the first two years. It was really yeah. fun. And wow. were you playing a lot of volleyball? A lot as well? of volleyball. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it all checks out. And I went out with Kelly McGillis for a day wow. or two. That's yeah, not that's true. Great. That's yeah. not true. She uh, seems where did like you a wonderful. you to go uh, traveling uh, in the Navy? Uh, we traveled all over South Pacific. I went to uh, Australia, Pakistan, Thailand. Thailand, Hong Kong, uh, Portland. <laughs> Portland actually was awesome. We went up yep. the river to the Rose Festival. If you've never gone, the Rose Festival in Wait, Portland. Wait, did you join the armed services because of Top Gun? Uh, well, no. I Here's why I joined. Um, I, I wanted to go UNH, uh, New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire, get high and play soccer. And uh, my father was like, we don't have any money, so if you want to go to college, the ROTC program is for you. Oh. And so I, and my brother was in, he became an admiral. And Ooh. then, so I got a ROTC scholarship and I went to Boston U and then I had to serve. I owed them mm. four years. And then I got out and my father was very upset. Uh, I got out to become an actor. And he was like, that's the worst mistake you could ever do in your life. This is a terrible. He must be pleased that it ended up working out well for you. you, you uh, he, he didn't get to see my boys or any big successes. Uh. But like one of my first jobs I booked was JAG. I was on JAG. No. Yeah. And I played Staff Sergeant Dempsey. And so I called my father to say, I'm, he was I'm like, Dad, I, I booked a job. I'm going to be Staff Sergeant Dempsey. And he was like, you were a lieutenant when you were in. <laughs> He goes, you got out to play an enlisted guy? Here's your mother, boosh. And then he hung up the phone. That's how you my career You got demoted was. on camera. My, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, did you feel like, uh, was there anything in your naval experience that prepared you for For, for this podcast? No, well, yes. Yeah. I'm sure you studied a lot of topics. Actually, it was kind of a detriment because when I first got here, I was like 10 minutes early for everything. Mm -hmm. You mean to Hollywood? To, to, See, to every this. meeting yeah. I got to, I was like, I'd show up exactly on time no. and people were like, you really got to. Yeah, that's you, a mistake. You seem too eager. You gotta yeah. start showing up. But I, I'm a Navy guy, and I would I, like if you showed up late before the ship left, you went to jail. Wow. Like you would go to the brig if you missed ship's movement. So you had this terrible fear, like of sleeping in and missing the ship's movement right. and oh. going. They're like if they were at sea right. for two weeks, you would go to the brig. For You're like, two what weeks. if Fox Studios sails yeah. off without <laughs> exactly. me? Wow. That's what happens. <laughs> so I'd go to no, meetings. No, and here it's you're just thirsty. Yeah, and you're, you're, like, too, you're you too eager. You're too yeah. eager. No. But other than that, everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now uh, Helen mentioned the show that you uh, you've been hosting called America Facts versus Fiction. Uh, so what's the verdict? America Fact or Fiction? Well, it used to be facts, yeah. but I feel like oh. I feel like that has changed. <laughs> nice. Excellent. We're happy to have Mr. Jamie Kaler. Hey, thank you guys. Helen, against whom will Jamie be competing tonight? Oh, I'm so excited. Yay, me too. She is a Grammy and Emmy-nominated comedian, actor, activist, and fashion designer. It's Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho. Hi, Margaret Cho. Hi, hi. It's hi. so wonderful to see you. you know, uh, our, our eagle-eared listeners uh, might recall that you appeared as an expert in one of our shows as well. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> well, thank you for coming back. Thank you. Now, Margaret, uh, did you hear the part where my parents met you in the I green did. room? Yes. My dad had no idea we'll who you were. We'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad wanted to... <laughs> oh, Margaret's dropping some Korean. <laughs> uh, what was it like, Margaret, when your parents uh, came to see you perform for the first uh, time? They were like... Oh, <laughs> did, how much did it pay to come here? <laughs> and then, then, then I said, oh, it's probably maybe $40. Oh, oh, it's over there. My, so my mom calculated how much each person cost, mm -hmm. like, 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 or how much each person was paying so that, that she, fi she figured out how much I was going to get paid. And she was very, this, wow, wow. <laughs> That's how you know you get a, a Korean acceptance is yeah. when they put an H into it. Wow. <laughs> Now, Helen That's has true. mentioned before, uh, as we've been anticipating your appearance on the show, that you were one of her uh, comedy heroes. Especially. You really are. I love that. Really That's are. wonderful. Because, you know, I often get asked the question, is it hard being an Asian female comedian? And I'm like, 
Not as, it hard, not as hard as it was for Margaret. I mean, she was the first one. And actually, because you trailblazed, it's not as hard for me because you trailblazed. That's and there good. Is, there is like a, a sample out there for an Asian female comedian. So it's Ooh. not like so weird and bizarre for me to do what you do. That's wonderful. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, thank you. It's really important because also, you know, I, I, I'd always seen a lot of like Asian American guys take, take up stand up, but then it, there was quite a while before Asian American women were coming into it. And actually, Ali Wong was the first comedy special that I got to see with Baby Cobra, was the first comedy special I got to see with another Asian American woman. That wasn't you. It wasn't me. Yeah. And I was so excited. You know, I was like, oh my God, I, you know, th this is like a major, major big deal and and so for you know I, I'm so glad there's so many you know wonderful yeah. female comedians like you it yeah. just makes me feel really good uh, for those in our audience it's very easy to see that you are uh, heavily tattooed tattooed yes you've been adding them uh, over the years what, what percentage would you say of, uh, of your body is, is tattooed um I am now at about 81 percent wow but wow. I think that it's going to I think I'm not done I mean I now it's only the really painful areas that mm. I have left and I'm not going to get it anymore Oh, okay. well, like what? Well, like I, I started doing behind my knees. Oh. Like, and it, it was so bad. I was like, why did I even start the getting tattoos? Yeah, the behind picks? the knees. Like, oh. behind, like I, I did my kneecaps. That's my favorite. I have uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln from the $1 bill and $5 bill on my kneecaps. But uh, <laughs> so it's so dumb. And then when you're like, you know, you have too many tattoos when you're just getting dumb ones like that. Mm -hmm. So I have too many. Uh, now, in addition to being on our game show here now, uh, you and I have another interesting kind of game show uh, history. Uh, you have been a panelist on a game show that I write for called Funny You Should Ask. Yes. Uh, and you also were on Celebrity Name Game as the celebrity when I was a contestant. Right. You did very well on that. I'd, I'd, okay. So for those who don't know, Celebrity Name Game requires uh, two people to work together to try to guess celebrities' names. Uh, I think I did very well. My partner did not do quite as well. That's the thing is if yeah. you don't have a partner that's right. on it. Yeah. Some uh, the people that won that was uh, my favorite episode of that show. They were a married couple and they won $20,000. They were so excited. Mm. But they worked they were married so they worked together. Ah. I think that that you you know you needed to marry the your partner. Wait, so so they give you clues to who this person is. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a, it is like na name game. Yeah. It's basically name game and then you just give them clues and then but it's it, you have a short amount of time to do right. it and then finally someone was like Mama Joe! and that was it that was twenty thousand dollars well it was it was um i can't remember what the question was but it, we, we we figured out a way to do it phonetically mm -hmm. and i kind of helped them through it ah. and so we we actually we actually did it and uh, uh have you have you thought about or ever got an opportunity to host a game show yourself i have not i would love to that would be a lot of fun yeah. i think that would be great i mean i think it's i think it's just i think it's it, it it's so like that kind of future like i love like show business in the 70s where after a certain time you would just do game shows like mm. gong show or match game yeah. or whatever and or or the best would be hollywood squares sure so I think that, um, you know, it's kind of an eventuality. I would love that. That would be fun. These days, I feel like it, all roads lead, lead to uh, making cupcakes, right? Mm. Don't, you, yeah. don't you feel like all celebrities, like, they're now just being funneled into, like, cupcake making? Or funnel or cake. Ah, funneling. Something. That's They're funneled is. into the cake. I mean, yeah, everything is, is going towards the, that sort of lifestyle, I yeah. think. Mm. That lifestyle television. Yeah, baking yeah. or cooking or mm. sewing. Mm. Or we could have a show where we ferment things. Ah. It's very Korean yeah. to mean. just ferment. <laughs> Fermentation is where it's at it's when the, it comes to Korean cuisine. It's the backbone cuisine. of our culture. Yeah, we Hel just, Helen, we just bury things. Uh, I don't ferment, uh, but I can do a mean kimchi squat. Oh like yes. I can squat down to the ground in the way that the ladies do in Korea when they okay. make the kimchi. When like, they put the, the uh, spices in between the cabbage leaves. Yeah, like apparently I didn't know this that white people can't do the squat. Like yeah. you guys, don't, you guys have an extra joint or something, whereas I can I can squat on my haunches and my butt will be one inch from the ground but not touching the ground and you white people suck at it. That's incredible. It's a yeah. That's a, it's a good thing to have it's that kind skill. of yeah, yeah that kind of yeah, skill. But I'm not. Fortunately, I, that's the worst thing about us white people, though. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs>
Uh, last thing I want to mention, Helen, in introduction, uh, said in addition to your performing that you also are an activist. You, of course, have won awards from the ACLU and the National Organization for Women. Uh, what, is your, what is your current cause that you're passionate about? Um, I think, well, you know, I, I had been doing, the last thing that I had done was a lot of homeless outreach in um, San Francisco, which is where I'm from. And so that that's sort of a continuance. Um, the, uh, you know, the whole thing, uh, you know, for, for uh People there, it's such a bad problem. I mean, of course, it's a bad problem everywhere here too. But uh, so that—that's where most of my attention had been going to for the last few years. Uh, wonderful. Uh, and, and if people want to find out about the cause or the organization well, they can, you work they can, with, yeah, any anything I'm doing is usually on my socials. Oh. At Margaret Cho on Twitter, Margaret underscore Cho on Insta. Excellent. But so. really, if you type in Margaret, she, yeah, will, I think you're gonna she will pop up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're certainly glad that she popped up here. Margaret Cho. Thank you. Yay. All right, Margaret and Jamie, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Jamie, you said you know a lot about Dirty Harry movies. The basketball player Larry Bird. Some applause over there. Uh, and potty training. I am a certified expert now in potty training. All right. Whereas, Margaret, you said you know a lot about Korean revenge movies, you, YouTube beauty wars, and the Beach Boys. A very interesting combination as well. Uh, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person does have a chance to steal. Tonight's topic, something fishy. First up, Jamie. Jamie, they both eat fish. They both start with the same four letters. But what are the visible physical differences between a seal and a sea lion? a seal and a sea lion. Jamie, of course, has been on ships in the Navy. I'm sure you've seen both of these species out on your uh, travels. Many times. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you observed them and noted, boy, those are different. Well, a sea lion has uh, big uh, tusks. Okay. Oh, more, you want more? Oh, I didn't know, if, if you have it, that might be the, uh, the main difference. The sea lion has tusks. Okay. And, uh, oh. They give birth. Sea lions give birth on land. Okay. And seals give birth in the water. Wow. Stick into that. Yes, you are. <laughs> but the tusk, the mostly the tusk. Mostly the tusks. All right, we have Jamie's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Margaret, what do you think? I think the ones with the tusks are walruses. <laughs> well, they are. So they have tusks. They're, they're, yeah. They have tusks, too. Um, I don't know. I feel like um, with uh, sea lions, when they're born, they know how to swim. Seals do not. All right. Also confidently said. All right, well, it's time now to... Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just bl***ing. Yeah. <laughs> sea lions can read as well. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, you're adding seals to your answer. Seals cannot. Amazing. Yeah. That's it's amazing. A, it really is a shame of the illiteracy in the seal community, though, yeah. isn't it? I mean, our schools... That's uh... why sharks eat them more. Yeah. Uh -huh. You can't read where shark signs are. <laughs> All right, it's time to seal up this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both seals and sea lions are part of a group of animals called pinnipeds. And there are a number of anatomical differences. But the main differences we can see have to do with their ears and how they move on land. Sea lions have external ears. It's those little flaps you see. And they walk on land using their flippers. Seals do not have external ears, just a small hole on the side of the head, and they cannot use their flippers to walk on land, so they just wiggle along on the ground like a blubbery sausage. What a lovely, lovely image. Uh, that, of course, is right. And if you've ever seen a trained seal, you've probably seen it walking around on its flippers, which means it is not a trained seal, uh, but really a trained sea lion. You were lied to. We all were. Helen, what does that mean as far as our points go? I'm going to say neither one of you got that right. No, I'm going to say okay. that as well. No. But we learned something. Yes. All right, great. <laughs> Applause for learning. That's what I love about our audience for this show. All right, up next in Something Fishy, Margaret. Margaret, they both eat fish. They both are smart and cute. But what are the visible physical differences between a dolphin and a porpoise? A dolphin and a porpoise. Well, I think, does a dolphin have, like, a very long corkscrew penis? <laughs> And the porpoise is not. <laughs> that certainly is a visible physical difference. Uh, you're going to stick with that? I'm going to stick with that. All right. We have Margaret's answer. We don't know yet if she's correct or not. Uh, Jamie, what do you think? 
I think dolphins have a longer nose, and uh, the porpoises have a shorter stout, uh, snout. A shorter snout. Snout. All right. Well, this segment is no longer serving its porpoise. Oh. Who do you, sir? At least I didn't talk about their penises. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. While you'd think it would be difficult to see the physical difference between dolphins and porpoises because they're usually underwater, <laughs> luckily the differences can be seen in the parts they stick above the water, their mouths and their fins. Dolphins usually have a longer snout and they always have cone-shaped teeth. Porpoises never have a long snout, and they have spade-shaped teeth. And dolphins have a gracefully swept-back prominent dorsal fin. Porpoises have smaller, more straight-edged triangular dorsal fins, and some have no dorsal fin at all. Oh, poor guys. Also, dolphins tend to be leaner, whereas porpoises tend to have a thicker body, like a blubbery sausage. <laughs> Another wonderful, wonderful image. Uh, that is right. And now, not all dolphins look like Flipper. In fact, the largest dolphin species is the killer whale. Uh, and if killer whales aren't actually whales, can we trust that they're not actually killers? <laughs> Helen, what does that mean as far as our points go? <laughs> I'm going to give Jamie one point for saying uh, dolphins have a longer nose and that porpoises have a shorter snout. One point for Jamie. Very yeah, good. What is our job. score at the end of that round? Yes. At the end of that round. Jamie Kaler has one point and Margaret Cho has zero points. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Yay! Yes! I can't hear I myself, but I'm assuming These are real podcast listeners, not actors. Uh, hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan, Jesse, go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse, go. go? Jordan, Jesse, go. Jordan, Jesse, go. A real podcast. Yourself, where our score is Jamie Kaler with one point and Margaret Cho with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thanks, everybody. Jamie Kaler, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Dirty Harry movies, basketball player Larry Bird, and potty training. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about Dirty Harry movies. Why, well, yes. I'm old. I grew up and I... Who's Dirty Harry fans in the audience? We got a few right? here, yeah. I, I, I like Dirty Harry. He's right. from San, San Francisco. That's right. Yes. It's a great Love San Francisco it. movie. And yes. So that was my... My high school quote is from Dirty Harry because I was a smartass in high school and everybody always has those quotes. It's like, you can do anything. The world's your oyster. Go get them. Yeah. And so my quote is from Magnum Force, which is the second in the movies, and he says this line all the time in the movie. He goes, uh, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> <laughs> so in my yearbook, under my photo is, a man's got to know his limitations, <laughs> Lieutenant Harry Callahan. <laughs> and everyone was like, after nobody got the joke, they were like, hey, man. <laughs> You can go do anything you want in life. Aww. And I was like, I was joking. I was making fun of everyone else. There's nobody. All right. So everyone just thought I was this weird, pessimistic yeah. dude who was like, no, we should all stay within our lane and just do what we're supposed yeah. to do. Well, you found out their limitations, apparently. And they're all still living back in New Hampshire, so who broke limitations, man? All right, Jamie, you also said you know a lot about Larry Bird. Well, that's, you, that's, if you live in Boston and you don't, you get beaten up if you don't know Larry Bird. I grew up, I mean, Larry Bird, I was, a, you know, in Boston in the 80s. It was Larry, it was Larry Town. And uh, what is it that you like about him so much? <laughs> you gotta love Larry. He, uh, as a Boston guy, he's, he won three championships for them. He won three MVPs. He's one of the greatest players. He played the team sport. He passed. He wasn't really flashy. He was just in your face. And I don't know. Now that I'm older and I have kids, I don't care as much. But back then, I seemed to obviously care about the Boston Celtics <laughs> way too much. Well, at least you know it now that it now was I too can't much. even get through a game. My kids are screaming. I'm like, whatever. I, whatever. <laughs> well, speaking of which, you also said you know a lot about potty training. I don't remember saying that to you whatsoever. <laughs> but I have two children, um, and so oddly enough, my daughter Claire, she's got impeccable timing because anytime I take one bite of food anywhere in the house, she can feel it, and she goes, "I'm done." 
and then I got to go wipe her bottom uh, like halfway through my meal. So I'm, I'm not I don't I'm not an expert by any measure, but I I've lived it. Are All they, right. Are they both potty trained right now? I am potty trained as well. <laughs> um, and they are both potty trained. Yeah. All right. Wow. So very, very I mean, good. yeah. Wow. Uh, excellent. All right. So to summarize, Jamie, you said you know a lot about Dirty Harry movies, Larry Bird, and potty training. Today we're going to quiz you about Larry Bird. I was afraid for potty training. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of... But I did watch Dirty Harry this morning, so I guess <laughs> that was a waste. Yeah, we thought, we thought potty training might be a little too visual for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, did you ever get to see him play in person? I did. I saw Larry Bird play a handful of times, yeah. All right. And, uh, of course, the big rivalry during the 80s was Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, of course, uh, uh, probably preferred more here in L.A. Have you ever had to defend Larry Bird to Magic Johnson fans? Uh... You know what's funny? There's such a camaraderie between the two of them that no, they they kind of they are, and they are so complimentary of each other, even though they hated mm. each other. That now there's this odd love fest mm. for back in the day, but it was back in the day when guys just beat the sweet Jesus out of each other <laughs> on the court, and now they look back so lovingly at the moment. So all the Laker fans are cool to Larry, and all the Celtics fans are cool to Magic. I all think. right. Well, speaking of cool, uh, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Larry Bird to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about Larry Bird, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Margaret, listen closely, because if Jamie answers incorrectly, you can steal. Margaret, by the way, how much do you know about Larry Bird? I don't know anything about Larry Bird. Have you heard of Larry Bird? I think so. <laughs> All right, we'll look forward to that steal opportunity should it arise. Uh, Jamie, here we go, question number one. Even for our listeners who aren't sports fans, many are familiar with Larry Bird, maybe because he appeared in a legendary McDonald's commercial that debuted during Super Bowl twenty-seven and featured Bird playing a game of horse against what other NBA legend and TV pitchman? Magic Johnson. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Margaret with a chance to steal... I don't know. Any, and can you think of any NBA legends and TV pitchman? Michael Jordan. Helen? <laughs> he told me that to is say correct. it. It is Michael Jordan. How come you didn't know that, though? But it, I you thought already... about it, but I thought it was Magic Johnson. Oh, yeah. but I... he answered it already, so you should give him the point. No, it's her point. No, no, it's your point. He, okay. said, he said Magic Johnson, and uh, it actually was Michael Jordan. So All right, because I was going to say Refrigerator Perry, and that's totally wrong. No, I believe that is... <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's baseball. All right. Uh, no, no, of course, uh, uh, there was Michael Jordan. I believe he, there wasn't maybe another series of commercials that might have had Magic Johnson, but the one that, uh, that was famous for playing horse. Well, they had the McDonald's spot with the two of them. Right. That was the famous spot that right. they went and played. So, I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever indeed. Number two, though Bird is best known for his playing career with the Celtics, he also had a good run after his playing days working for the Indiana Pacers. Name one of the two individual NBA awards he won with the Pacers. General Manager of the Year. Helen? Yes, I will give you the point. Okay, it's Executive of the Year, but we'll give you the point. Very good, But Jamie. he got it as General Manager, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Manager. Awesome, yes. Yeah, You're on it. Question number three. Jamie, speaking of MVPs, Larry Bird won league MVP awards in three consecutive seasons. In two of those seasons, he also won the NBA Finals MVP. Name one of the years he won both awards. 86. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, 1986. <laughs> this show's nerve-wracking. <laughs> Uh, the other one was 1984. Uh, fun fact, he was the first player to do this twice. Michael Jordan later did it four times. Uh, all right, you're uh, back on a roll. Let's see how you do with question number four. Larry Bird was selected by the Boston Celtics in the first round of the 1978 NBA draft. What number pick was he overall? Oh, dude. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use that first Here's hint. what's crazy. He changed the rules because they drafted him as a junior. Mm. And since then, it's the Larry Bird rule, and you can't draft guys until they declare it now. But Red Auerbach... Did it? He, he wasn't one because nobody knew you could draft him mm. at the time. I'm going to say... Would you like to use that first hint? Oh, yeah. Helen, how about that first hint? It's what you get if you add up the digits in his uniform number. That's what I thought. He was six. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Yay! Excellent use of the hint. You're on a roll. Of course, his uniform number was 33, 3 plus 3 is 6. Uh, by the way, the top five picks that year were Michael Thompson, Phil Ford, Rick Roby, Michael Ray Richardson, and Purvis Short. Then some guy named Larry Bird. Uh, all right, here's your most difficult one. Jordan was number three. Yeah, uh, that was a couple years later. One, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Jamie, here's question number five. Bird played for three years at Indiana State University and won many awards, particularly after he took the school to the national championship game in 1979. What trophy awarded to the Associated Press's College Basketball Player of the Year did Bird receive that year? 
What's the name of the trophy? What is the name oh, of the trophy? damn you. You do. <laughs> it's good to see you again, too, pal. I could have told you the game, everything. Uh, you do have a second hint available if you'd like that second uh, yeah. hint. Yeah, Helen, yeah. Helen, how about hint. that second hint? What's the name of it? The trophy. <laughs> the trophy was named after the man who coached the University of Kentucky for over 40 years, and the trophy is no longer given out. Rupp. Was it Rupp, Helen? Yes, it that was. That is correct. Adolph Rupp. The Adolph Rupp Trophy. Very good pull, Jamie. <laughs> Can't believe they gave out a trophy named Adolph after World War II, by the way. Somebody, somebody didn't step in and go, maybe we should take the Adolph off this trophy, by the way. All right, you stumbled out of the starting blocks a little bit, but you ended up getting three in a row. So very good job, Jamie Kaler. Thank you. And now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Okay. Oh, there's some, there's some regulars in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They know. They know, and we love them. The question is so high level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. Jamie, Larry Bird spent his professional playing career in Boston, but his early life was in Indiana. For up to three points, in what Indiana town was he born, in what Indiana town was he raised, and at what Indiana high school did he become the all-time scoring leader? You went right down the Wikipedia page, didn't you? <laughs> uh, you well, could have also. He was raised in French Lick. Mm -hmm. Uh, the name of the school, I don't know, French Lake High School. Okay. And where was he born? He was born, uh, uh, he wasn't born in French Lake. He was born in, um, South Bend. In South Bend. I don't know. I'm saying South Bend. You are but saying I, South but Bend. I don't know. And you're also saying you don't know. Yes. Okay. That's good. I mean, you got to take a guess, right? I, I think modesty By the way, is... I was born in South Bend. Are you, were you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, just an obscure fact that everyone should know. <laughs> Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight, by phone from his home in French Lick, Indiana, is a longtime high school basketball coach whose players included Larry Bird. It's Coach Gary Holland. Gary Holland. Whoa. Hello, Coach Holland. Can you hear us all right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I can hear you all right. I can't believe you knew those answers. <laughs> Very good. All right, Coach, let's get into it. So uh, you've lived in French Lick for how long? Uh, 37 years. Wow. wow. How, how long were you a basketball coach? Okay, I was a basketball coach for 22 years, from 1970 to 1990. And I came back whenever Larry was the Pacers coach. I came back in 97 to 2000. So I had several years there of coaching. I had a lot of kids. I had Larry's brothers. He's got uh, five brothers. I had two others that played for me, so three of them played. And uh, we're talking about French Lick. Now, it used to be called the Red Devils. I imagine you'll like that name. And West Baden was called the Sprudels. Uh -huh. And they consolidated in 1958, and they won their first 25 ball games in our state tournament here in Indiana, which was one class system. Now, can you imagine that uh, West Baden was only around 900 people mm. and French Lick was around 1,100 to 1,200 people? And our gym would hold 2,200. So on nights that Larry played, as he become a, a better player, as he got to become a senior, most of the town was in the gymnasium that night whenever they played. Wow. I just can't believe that you live in a town called French Lick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's two words. Whenever I give my address to some people, you know, I specify. Now, this, uh, you probably haven't heard this, but a lot of people that follow sports have, you know, have read about Larry come from such a small town. And it was just a unbelievable situation. I was only 25 or 26 when I got the coaching job, and he played for me on the, what they call the JV team as a freshman, as a sophomore, and Larry broke his ankle. In his sophomore year, was out for a couple months and then come back. And his junior year, he was with another coach that was on the varsity. And then that year they went 19 and three, and they got they got beat in what we call the first round of a tournament. And that coach resigned. And then <laughs> me being assistant, I moved up. And lo and behold, I had a kid to become a you know a star like this. But we had no idea he was going to wow. be that type of player. Well, was he great right away? Was he the best kid on the team? No. Whenever he was a freshman, he just, you know, he, he was not the best player. Now, I, I do know another coach that still lives in town that was an eighth grade coach before I got here, 
and that would have been Larry's. Uh, Larry would have been about 1969-70, and he said, and he told me, and he's he's rather known for being the only coach that uh, dismissed Larry from the basketball eighth grade basketball team for some types of of uh, rules that he didn't follow, and uh, then. Another one of my friends said, "Hey, if I I took Larry's place, but he'd come back later on, you know that season, and uh, if he hadn't come back, I'd have been where Larry was at." Wow! So it was quite an interesting situation. But I think that uh, you know really got him started in basketball because what Larry did every day was play basketball. Yeah, uh, Larry's known for being a very hard competitor when he played in the NBA. Was he a tough competitor uh, in high school too? Oh, yeah, just like you, you you turn the TV on, you see him in with all, you know, he, he wouldn't back down from anybody, but he respected a lot of people. And what James said about uh, Magic Johnson was true. They were friends, and Magic visited this small town. And I know we had a big crowd whenever he'd come out to Larry's house and they made some commercials. He was, they, they were best of friends, but they were great competitors on the floor. Have you and Larry Bird stayed in touch after his uh, NBA career or after he made it big? We did for a long time uh, uh, up into the, you know, later on when he was at the Pacers. Now, he, he took care of our school and uh, several, we would wear Converse tennis shoes and things like that. And, and um, several times he would visit our um, practices whenever he wasn't, you know, playing or practicing himself. And I often recall another thing, because I watch this movie all the time comparing him to Magic Johnson, and people would say, well, now, Larry, uh, if he wasn't dressed or he wasn't playing on the Celtics, they, the press would always give him credit hmm. uh, for making that shot if some other kid did it. But I can tell you this, whenever he comes to our high school ball games and sit in the crowd, something exciting happened mm. and we had one time where a boy hit the longest shot in the history of our <laughs> school you know from one end to the other end and i went out there and drove a little nail later on in practice <laughs> and uh just things like that happened he would walk into gym and even if we were practicing the boys would just oh they just start going crazy course, that must be quite a know, sight most of the athletes would we thank you so much for telling those stories. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Jamie. Uh, first, we asked him, in what Indiana town was he born? Helen, what did Jamie say? Jamie said South Bend. And Coach Holland, is he correct? Uh, no, he's a long way off, but you know he's got relatives up there. That's what I meant. I meant his relatives. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what was the town where Larry Bird was born? West Baden. West Baden. Okay, no point there for Jamie. Uh, next, we asked Jamie, in what Indiana town was Larry Bird raised? Helen, what did Jamie say? Jamie said French Lick. And Coach Holland? That's true. I would say the majority of the time he was in French Lick. French Lick. That's one point for Jamie Kaler. And then finally, we wanted to know where did Larry Bird go to high school? What did Jamie say, Helen? Jamie said French Lick High School. And Coach Holland? Springs Valley High School. Springs Valley High School is where he made his mark, and you did as well. Uh, so no point there. Jamie, is there anything you'd like to say or ask of uh, Coach Holland, who worked with Larry Bird? No, that's really cool, though. That's really awesome that he took the time to, to, to tell me how wrong I was. And I really appreciate <laughs> I really appreciate that you came to do that. No, it's really cool. It's quite like kind of cool stories to see someone who comes from small-town America make it that big. Cool. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Coach Holland, what are you up to these days, and where can people find out more about uh, you and your work? Well, I'm retired. I don't teach anymore, but I taught for 37 years and coached, you know, the 22 years. I had a great, uh, that was that was great, and I've been up to Boston, you know, I'm a farm boy, and I have uh, been around, and Larry has had me to quite a few of these games, and it, it's been an honor to be his coach. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for coaching him, and thanks so much for talking with us. It's a pleasure to talk with you, Coach Gary Holland. Have a good evening, Coach. Thank you again. Okay, thank you. Helen, let's get a score recap at the end of that round. At the end of that round, Jamie Kaler has six points and Margaret Cho has one point with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Margaret about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Jamie and Margaret will go head-to-head -head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, 
am Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners regardless of quality or content with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name or a Medi- medication. medication. First time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know how to participate follow dr game show on facebook instagram and twitter we'd love to hear yeah, from you it's really fun for the whole family we'll be every other wednesday starting march 13th and we're coming to max fun snorlax pokemon yes nice welcome back to go fact yourself where our score is jamie kaler with six points and margaret cho with one point once again here's J. Keith van stratton thanks helen thank you everybody Margaret Cho, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Korean revenge movies, YouTube Beauty Wars, and the Beach Boys. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said Korean revenge movies. Well, I, uh, I think that, that the, the history of them will start basically with uh, Old Boy, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the whole revenge trilogy that he made. Um, and uh, so I, 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 I really think that Korea is really the land of revenge, that we just really love to get back at people. And I think it has to do with all of the wars and the occupation of uh, Japan and all of the stuff. And so film is a way for us to get all of these feelings out. And um, there's, a, there's a sentiment called Han, which is, um, it is a kind of a, the Korean state of mind. It's a need for revenge, but it's also um, a... a Finding solace in the bitterness of life. And Whoa. so that's really uh, what, what the re- revenge movie is all about. That's really what K-pop is all about. And uh, <laughs> what, what life is for the Koreans. Yeah, grudge, oh. grudge holding is my brand. I'm it's never, perfect. I'm it never going to listen you, to BTS the same way again. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, you, if you cross me, look out. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, I just got coming. cold. I don't yeah. know about, the, about you guys. I'm coming for you. All right. Uh, you also said you know a lot about YouTube Beauty Wars. Well, I uh, was trying to figure out how to apply my makeup. And um, so then that led me into going to YouTube uh, tutorials. And then I realized that there are these massive wars that happen on YouTube with these beauty influencers where some of them are getting very angry at the other people. And so you, and it's like, it's, it's literally like a Tolstoy novel. Like you're just like, <laughs> this is like some kind of crazy like wars that go on. And, and so I just, I got very, very involved with all of these kids and it's really kind of fun to Wait, watch. Wait, how do they fight the wars? They do like, like videos where they, they diss each other? Yeah, they do videos where they kind of diss each other and they go on these beauty influencer events and they take photographs making fun of other other influencers oh. and nobody knows what's going to happen. It all has to do with um, one of them who's quite popular who has a makeup line and then they, the other one, they all have little fledgling makeup lines also and then they all kind of make fun of each other and um, trash each other's makeup. But it's all, it's, you know, it's, it's all really interesting. So I, I oh. found, found that I knew like an obscene amount about these kids. Wow. Uh, all right. And then finally you said you know a lot about the band The Beach Boys. I do love Beach Boys. I, I went through this period where I was only listening to, I was a belly dancer for a time. And I was dancing in Egypt. And then I only listened to uh, that kind of music. So all this sort of like Algerian pop and all mm-hmm. this stuff that I, and then I realized I need to figure out uh, uh, back, get back to pop music and so I started listening to the Beach Boys and then I couldn't stop and then I read every book about them from all of the different perspectives so it's like Rashomon where you hear about these events sure. and then you, you all of the different band members comment on it and they all have a perspective so uh, and yeah I, I would go to the concerts and feel very I, you know I was like the only um, person that was not a white man that looked like he worked in the staff room of Malcolm in the Middle like everybody <laughs> everybody there looked like uh, you know some like a high like a story editor from a a sitcom like Full House or you know something and it was you know the baseball jackets and the very puffy white dad shoes and um, it was very it was was a strange experience I felt like I was just like in the wild with white guys and it was so and you lived to tell the tale I lived to tell the tale but it was really meaningful and we all got down with all of the songs and um, but yeah I still love the Beach Boys, and I, I still I still love the legacy and their stories. They really were an incredible legacy, incredible band. Awesome. Oh. All right, so to summarize, you said you know a lot about Korean revenge movies, YouTube, Beauty Wars, and the Beach Boys. Today we're going to quiz you about the Beach Boys. Awesome. 
You said you'd seen them in concert. Do you remember the first time that you went, and, and have you seen them recently? Um, I've seen different iterations of right. them. I've seen like Al Jardines, which is sort of like the friends and family band. I've seen Brian Wilson on his own probably the most with mm -hmm. the Wonderments backing him, who I, I'm a little bit friendly with. Um, so, uh, and then I've seen like, just like diff yeah, just different things. I've seen Carney Wilson. Um, who also does things, I think, with Al Jardine, and so she does her own kind of version of the friends and family. She does stuff with, um, the, the, I think, the, the kids of the Mamas and the Papas. Mm. So it's all, they're all kind of insular doing different kinds of shows. So did I've you, seen different things. Did you love them when you were a kid? I didn't really know. Like, I think it was... The thing is, when you're a kid, the uh, music had been so... Um, so used so heavily in advertising because right. at some point, uh, Murray, the dad, sold... Uh, brought all of Brian Wilson's songs for advertising for, I think, maybe $100,000. So that was the, the end of their legacy, really, as, as kind of, you know, people know not to sell their back catalogs, but Murray thought he was getting a deal or something. Mm. And um, it's kind of like the Beatles when Brian Epstein stole all the merchandising rights mm. for very little money, which where well, you made the most money for that. So a lot of the Beach Boys music was used for advertising. So you, you didn't really have a sense of who they were, but you knew that the songs were used in commercials. Interesting. Uh, all right, well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in the topic to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you get a total of two hints for these five topics. Jamie, do listen closely because you can steal if Margaret gets any wrong. Jamie, by the way, how much do you know about the Beach Boys? Uh, I like the Beach Boys. <laughs> I got good vibrations for them. Oh, it does. Uh, all right, let's see if you get that opportunity. Margaret, here's your first question about the Beach Boys. I think you're going to get this. The original Beach Boys consisted of three brothers, their cousin, and a friend. What was the last name of the three brothers? Wilson. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. <laughs> The Wilson brothers are Brian, Dennis, and Carl. The cousin was Mike Love. The friend was Al Jardine, mm -hmm. as Amy mentioned earlier. Uh, question number two. What landmark 1966 Beach Boys album featuring the songs Wouldn't It Be Nice and God Only Knows was named by Rolling Stone magazine as the second greatest album of all time? Pet Sounds. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. It was ranked number two behind the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, Helen did not get a chance to do the hint that we had for that, so I know you wanted to. Helen, if Margaret had needed a hint, what would it have been? Meow. <laughs> oh. Thank you. Thank you. Pet sounds, ladies and gentlemen. That's nice. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We know what we're doing with Helen Hong. <laughs> Secret weapon. Uh, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Despite all of the Beach Boys' success, only two of their albums ever hit number one on the Billboard 200 charts. Name one of them. It, the, only, the only albums would be, um, well, it would be Pet Sounds and... What is on, uh, wh not Wild Honey, I don't know. This uh, one I do don't know. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. I'd like the hint. Helen, how about that first hint? One hit number one in 1964, and one hit number one in 1974. Okay, um, so it would be Surfing Safari, and I keep coming back to Wild Honey. Wild Sorry, honey. we're only asking for one, so okay. which one do you want to stick with? Surfing Safari. Helen, is it Surfing Safari? That is not No, correct. I'm terribly sorry. Jamie, with a chance to steal. Endless Summer. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. Daniel with a successful nice. steal. 74, baby. Amazing. That was a good year for me. That's great. <laughs> That's the one Good Vibrations is on. Oh, okay. Uh, Jamie and Margaret have each uh, had a successful steal from the other. Nice. Uh, all right, let's see if you can bounce back with number four. The Beach Boys appeared in the opening scene of a 1965 Disney movie performing the title song with Annette Funicello. What was the name of the song and movie? Oh, my God. Why do I not? I mean, it's... Um... You do have a second hint available if you'd like to I'd use like that I'd like the now. second hint. Helen, how about that second hint? Well, I'll be a... Um, it's... Uh, Frankie Valley's in the movie, and it's... Um, gosh, you know what? I don't know. She doesn't know. That means, uh, Jamie, you get a chance to steal. I was going to say Beach Blanket Bingo, but by your clue, I'm going to say Monkey's Uncle. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. Another successful steal by Jamie. I got it from the clue. That's really good. That's what we were trying to get at. Yeah, well, I'll be a Monkey's Uncle. Amazing. Yes, that song, Monkey's Uncle, was Apparently, actually... I know more about the Beach Boys than Larry Bird, just so we're all on the same. Because I knew the first two answers. I should have gone Beach Boys. Yeah. Fun fact, that song was written by the Sherman Brothers, who wrote many Disney classics, including the songs from Mary Poppins and It's a Small World After All. All right, let's see how you do on question number five. The Beach Boys song, Good Vibrations, is famous for its use of an instrument that sounds Theremin. like... Theremin. <laughs> that sounds like this. 
Although it sounds like a theremin and is based on a theremin, oh. it is not exactly a theremin. Uh, I thought it was a theremin. Now I'm wrong. I don't know. What is the proper name of this instrument? I don't know. Sounds like a theremin. Based on a theremin is not exactly a theremin. Mm -mm. No, no help there. All right, no answer. Jamie with a chance to steal. Synthesizer. Is it a synthesizer, Helen? It is not a no, synthesizer. No, this, uh, this one was tough. It is actually called an electrotheremin. An electrotheremin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Boo! Oh, I'm... Whoa, the crowd, <laughs> the crowd is crowd right. Wow. The crowd you know, is right. This will get cut. You'll all get cut out of this episode. No, 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 Jamie. Jamie, you were talking earlier about how facts don't seem to matter anymore, and I, I believe I'm seeing that facts, now as well. Fake facts, electric theory. I think that this, that's the first time the audience has gotten that mad. I know. Yeah. You guys are so mad. Which is good. They're, what, they're on your side. Like half a point. Well, we did say, though, it was not exactly a theremin. Okay, well, well there, there is an important difference that perhaps we'll talk about uh, with our expert. Uh, because unlike the theremin, which you don't actually touch to play, you do touch the electro-theremin. Mm. And it was co-invented by a slide trombone player named Paul Tanner. And when one was built for Brian Wilson for a 1999 tour, it was named the Tannerin. But uh, that, was a, that was a difficult question. Uh, Helen, it really is up to you if you think we can give her the point. I would love to give her half a point because she's my childhood hero. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. That's not exactly nepotism but it feels very close. It's kind of, yeah. but that's what Koreans are all about. Yeah. We like to help <laughs> each other revenge out. Revenge kicks in. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's true. I don't want to get you guys angry. Hold on. Uh, uh, all right, you did quite well in that round, Margaret, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Mm. Nice. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The Beach Boys made many memorable TV appearances, including a few on a long-running sitcom of the 1980s and 90s that starred a frequent contributor to the band. For up to three points, what was the sitcom and what were two of the songs they played over the course of the series? Hmm. Gosh, why didn't you? I, I don't even know that one. Okay, would well, you want to just guess a sitcom then from the um, 80s and 90s? <laughs> Jamie would like to, but he cannot, no. It's killing him. That's all right, just guess a sitcom, you might get lucky. Okay. Uh, it might be one you've mentioned earlier in the show. Full House. Okay. And uh, want to just name two Beach Boys songs that might have been on that show? Um, I don't know. Well, wouldn't it be nice? And uh, God only knows. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a keyboardist, vocalist, and music producer who's played with Jan and Dean, Brian Wilson, and the Beach Boys. It's Gary Griffin. Gary Griffin, Yay. ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Mr. Griffin. Hi. Hi, 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 everybody. Hi. I'm no stranger to microphones. Uh, I'm, I, would, I would think not. Uh, now, before we go talking about the Beach Boys, I want to say that Helen mentioned in your introduction that you played with Jan and Dean. In fact, there was a book written about your touring with them. That's right. A writer named Bob Green wrote a, he went on tour with us for years and wrote a detailed account of every minute of our touring called When We Get to Surf City. And it was one of those things where I read the book afterwards and I had to call him every few pages and said, did I really say that? <laughs> did I do that? He said, oh yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. He remembered everything, it's a great book. That's terrific. Now in addition to uh, working with a lot of uh, people who are known as musicians, you actually have been a producer for some comedians' uh, albums as well. Harry Shearer of all people. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And also did I read Dave Coulier as well? Dave Coulier yeah. from, full, from uh, the aforementioned Full House. Sure. Barely mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, tell us about the, the, was it music that you were producing for them? For Harry, yeah, well, he, he did a bunch of satirical records, comedy records, mm -hmm. fantastic records. And he did a, several cuts that were kind of in a Beach Boys style, so I produced them for him. And it was great fun working with him. We spent most of the time just listening to him talk, because he has that voice, you know? Yeah. And he would do all the voices from The Simpsons, and he'd do that. <laughs> do and those he, voices again. He would, he would do that? You could just say, give us some Mr. Burns? And he, oh, yeah. He'd oh, go right into it. No, no hesitation. Awesome. So let's talk about Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. uh, you were a fan before you got to meet and, and uh, work with them. What was it like going from being a fan to actually... That's how I got the job. Is that right? I was an avid fan. I grew up in Cincinnati. Avid fan as a kid, so I used to go to all their shows when they were in the area. I just kind of hang out and muscle my way backstage. Say, hey, hey, I'm a musician. I play the keyboard. Can I be in your band? Get away, get away, kid. And I did that for years. And then out of the blue, I got a call in 1977 from Mike Love. said, hey, uh, we, uh, we uh, need a keyboard player. Are you interested? I thought, yeah. Did they know that you were that fan, that kid who would uh, come backstage? Yeah, I had, they did. I had 
been in their face enough. That so they it works. Realize. So that's what you recommend it to works. people who want to get into a band. Just keep showing up and asking you to be put in. And now I see, when, when I do shows with the guys now, I see guys backstage who are very much like I was back then, so I try to be as nice to them as possible. Oh, that's a very good <laughs> lesson. Uh, are there any challenging, are there any particularly challenging songs of the Beach Boys to, for you to play? Oh, that Pet Sounds album. Is, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't know where he came up with some, Brian came up with some chord changes that just are off the map, and nobody's ever done anything like that. And so you can't, like, reason your way through the song. You have to know the song. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, Brian, how did you, you were 24 years old, how did you write those songs? How did you do that? He says, I don't, I don't know. Youth is a crazy trip. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, all right, let's settle this. The Electro Theremin. Well, you got to give her the point. You do? Okay. Because you give her half point. You think that was I fair? I give her the full point. The He's Theremin is what, that's what everybody knows. It. Everyone yeah. knows it. Now, wow. the bonus points would have come if you would have come up with Tannerin, because you're right, that was developed by Paul Tanner, and then further refined by a guy named Tom Polk, who built one for Brian's band back 20 years ago. And who plays the, uh, the Tannerin? Proben Gregory. Mm -hmm. I had to do it once. Oh, uh, what's that like? Good, well, it's a challenge because what Proben didn't tell me is what it is, the theremin, the traditional theremin was that sound that and you just waved your hand over this laser. There's no control of the pitch, but they just used it in science fiction, you know, scary movies. And then Paul Tanner developed it so that now the, the, the signal is going this way, and you could draw a picture of a keyboard and actually slide and do it like that, which you'd have control over the pitch. So I had to sub for Proben at one show when his, his baby was being born. And I said, well, I'll have to play the, the Tannerin. Is any challenge? No, 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 you'll get it, you'll get it. So the picture of the keyboard is like that, and there's a little lever you press down and you move it. And I did it, and it was really out of tune. I said, Proben, what's wrong with it? Oh, I forgot to tell you. It's a little inaccurate. You have to look at it from this angle. <laughs> <laughs> so the lever will be right over the, right over the. Yeah, he wants to keep himself in that job. He wants to <laughs> make Exactly, sure. exactly. I'm sure that was it. He didn't wow. tell me to. Uh, you were involved in a very acclaimed TV movie about the Beach Boys. Tell Love us and Mercy, that. yes. We yeah. Did. I, did. I played, uh... I thank you. I played a session player named Al DeLore. And the scene that I was featured in was an actual really happened just like this. They were cutting pet sounds, and Al played something wrong on the piano, on the song, I'm, I'm Waiting for the Day. And Brian stopped the session and said, what, 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 what was that? Oh, he didn't talk like that back then. But <laughs> what was that? What was it? So I, I played it again, and he said, that's not right. I said, I know, I made a mistake. And he says, oh, no, I love it. Let's keep it just like that. <laughs> So I went back in recent years, I said, Brian, what did you actually want Al to play? And he said, oh, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, it's kind of a legendary little story. Absolutely. Al, Al All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of your other acting work in a second, but let's uh, first go to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game goes. You heard the question that we asked of Margaret. Uh, we wanted to know, what was the sitcom that featured uh, the Beach Boys of several appearances? Helen, remind everyone, what did Margaret say? Margaret said, full house. And uh, She sir? didn't say it with much conviction, though. I just did, I, you know, I, I think of Full House so much with, uh, um, it, it, to me, it's really Alanis Morissette. When I think what? of, like, the music associated with Full House. All right, but was she correct, Gary Griffin? <laughs> How do you get to Alanis Morissette? Well, because, because she, she dated the, because Dave Because you ought to know is about Dave Coulier. So they say. So All they right. say that's but the didn't, legend. Didn't Stamos play with the Beach Boys? He got up on stage with oh, them. Oh, he plays with them still. Shows, right? still. He still plays with them. That's he goes out and he So let me go back to my question. Was Margaret correct about Full House? Well, sure she's correct. She's correct. She gets a point. She's correct. But I, expected, I expected the question. She'd go, Full House. And she yeah. went, you know. Yeah. Went, uh, I, that, I didn't know. I yeah, really it's a little hard know. to It's one of those, yeah, you know it, you know it or you don't. But yeah. you did get a point, yes. though, so good job, Margaret. Uh, then we Margaret is obsessed with revenge because she's Korean. So Dave Coulier <laughs> and Alanis Morissette. You got to, you know, and you, you ought to know. know. Now, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to you about that is because you made over 35 appearances on Full House. And two on Fuller House. Okay. So tell us about the role that you played and how it involved, uh, involved the Beach Boys sometimes. It was just convenient that uh, John Stamos was a friend. We got to know the Beach Boys and went out and played drums with them for years, starting back in the 80s. And then when Full House was in production, coincidentally, Uncle Jesse happened to know the Beach Boys. Isn't that so? <laughs> how did that happen? So Uncle Jesse got the Beach Boys to be in the uh, storyline, and they did 
several appearances on mm -hmm. in different configurations, but right. one of them it was at the Coliseum in USC, and that's when they did two of the songs that you're supposed to know. All right, let's, uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's yes. revisit those. Uh, Helen, what was one of the songs that Margaret uh, said was performed on that show? Margaret said, wouldn't it be nice? And is that correct, Mr. Griffin? Oh, he's pointing Aww. a thumbs down. I'm terribly no. sorry, no. no. Oh, what was the second song that Margaret said they performed? Margaret said, God only knows. Oh, again, I'm sorry, but sorry. reasonable guesses. What were the songs that were performed on Full House by the Beach The ones from the Coliseum were Kokomo. Oh, okay. And Barbara Ann. All right. Oh. But they easy. Those were easy. Very oh, easy, it, well, easy. it's easy if you know it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but Gary, there, yeah, it was easy. Yeah. The Beach Boys is a tricky subject it is. because so when much to know. everybody has their own like vision of it, and mm -hmm. the, the the expertise out there for people who are knowledgeable. Of course, you're practically in the band, so you know most of everything. Mm -hmm. But most of the fans, they know everything. Mm -hmm. They know I'm, more than I do now. Yeah. Yes. They're like that. everybody, and the, all of the knowledge that, and there's different like kind of genres, like people pick apart like. I'm more, I think I'm more of like a Dennis expert than I am of well, like then, a Brian. Well then, <laughs> that leads to this song. It was written yes. by Dennis. Well, yes, but I'm just like, you know, not the best at the, the, uh, the later television appearances and that kind of stuff. That <laughs> well, that's why it's our very... expert level question. Yeah, it is difficult. It really you got is... one part of it. But there are a lot of experts out there. Absolutely. So Gary, what is the, uh, the other song? That the song is Forever. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was on several different, it was actually used on Stamos' wedding episode mm. when he married Lori Loughlin. Aww. And Jesse what was your involvement with that song? Oh, we, well, as I say, we used it in many different forms, different episodes, and I produced all those, recorded mm. those. You produced them as well? That's awesome. That's uh, great. And so uh, some fans of Full House and of Beach Boys might remember a band that Jesse was in called... Jesse and the Rippers. Jesse and the Rippers. <laughs> did you get to be involved with Jesse and the Rippers in some way as well? We did. Well, I did many episodes on Full House mm -hmm. in Jesse and the Rippers. We actually went out and did some live shows, which were nutty. I mean, you heard the screams when the Beatles used to play, mm -hmm. or when Stamos would go on stage, it was deafening. Yeah. Deafening screaming. I'd but scream. <laughs> yeah, I would totally scream. I was He's screaming. a babe. I think so yeah. too, yeah. He yeah. is, he is Jamie, a babe. Jamie, you in? The best. Oh, I babe. would squeal like a little girl. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He's beautiful, please. He, he yes. really is. He's a good-looking fella. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Gary, what are you up to uh, these days as far as music and everything else? You're still well, touring with Brian. I am touring with Brian. I've been doing that for the last few years. Well, actually, I've been in and out of the band for years, but now a regular. We've been doing the... Well, we started in, in 2016 doing the 50th anniversary of Pet Sounds. Wow. Mm. We wouldn't play the entire album. Well, the tour went so well, they kept booking dates. And now it's 2019, the fourth year of the 50th anniversary of Pet Sounds. Wow. <laughs> so we go out again and uh, we actually play in Redondo Beach, May 4th, at the Beach Life Festival. And then in June, we go back on the road back east and do a bunch of dates. A lot of them are pet sound shows. So I have, to, I have to relearn those songs again. <laughs> if people want to learn more about you or your work, where can they go? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I have a nice Wikipedia page. Okay. Yeah. But I'll be, I'll be out with Brian, and uh, I have my own record out, by the way. Finally right. did my own record for a Japanese label called Vivid Sound. The record's called Sympathetic Vibrations. And uh, it's fun. It's good. It it's is fun, and it is good, and it's wonderful to have you, Mr. Thank Gary Griffin, you. ladies Thank and gentlemen. You. Thank you. Thanks, Gary Griffin. Helen, let's get a score recap as we go into our final round. At the end of that round, Jamie Kaler has eight points, and Margaret Cho has five points. All right, it is now time for our final round. We call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jamie and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Jamie, a word like NASA, whose letters each stand for another word, is called a synonym. False. Correct. Margaret, a word like NASA, whose letters each stand for another word, is called an acronym. True. Correct. Jamie, the ZIP in ZIP code is an acronym. True. Correct. That's right. It stands for Zone Improvement Plan. Margaret, the TIME in TIME Magazine is an acronym. False. Incorrect. No, it actually stands for the International Magazine of Events. Uh, oh. I know. See, you learned something by wow. accident. I didn't wow. know that one. All right. How about this one? Uh, Jamie, golf is an acronym. False. Correct. Margaret, the name of the cooking spray PAM is an acronym. False. Incorrect. No, it actually mm. stands for product of Arthur Mayerhoff, who was its inventor. Oh. The things you learn. Mm. Jamie, the name of the home furnishing store IKEA is an acronym. False. Incorrect. No, it really is. Margaret, IKEA stands for Innovative Kits Everyone Assembles. True. Incorrect. No, Jamie, <laughs> IKEA actually stands for Indova Kamar Elut Angora. True. Incorrect. No, nope. you stop. Uh, not cool. Not cool. 
Margaret, IKEA actually stands for Ikran Klamto Ebunya Arndt. True. Incorrect. No, it really doesn't. No. <laughs> I wanted to be fair to each of you. IKEA Thank actually you. stands for Ingvar Kamprad Elmichard Agunyard. It's an acronym for the founder's initials and hometown. Oh. Let's give a nice hand to both of our guests, Margaret Cho and Jamie Kaler, while Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Jamie Kaler has 11 points and Margaret Cho has six points. Congratulations, Jamie Kaler. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship, Jamie? I'm going to share it with my children. Oh. I love them so much it hurts inside. <laughs> you're, you're really working your brand. I appreciate that. I don't know. No, congratulations. Thank you, guys. That just, leaves us, uh, that just leaves us the opportunity for our guests and everyone to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Jamie, where can people find you? What do you have going on? Uh, Google me. All of the social media is at Jamie Kaler, but I, I run this brand called The Dadland. So if you're a parent and you want to commiserate with other people who are in absolute hell, uh, then um, come find the Dadlands, and you can Google that. We have a website and all kinds of stuff to come say hi to me. Great to share the stage again with you. Jamie Kaler, everybody. The absolutely wonderful and charming Margaret Cho. What about you? Um, you can find me um, on the socials at Margaret Cho or Margaret underscore Cho on Insta. And I have a website, MargaretCho.com, which has all my tour dates and everything. I'm always on the road. Excellent. You're always on the road, and yet yes. you've made time for shows like this over Absolutely. the years that I've done. I, I really, really appreciate it. It's wonderful Thank to share you. a stage with Margaret Cho. Thank you. Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, you lucky people, your co-host is Ms. Helen Hong. Yay! What's going on, my friend? You can find my performance calendar at my website, HelenHong.com, and follow me on the socials at FunnyHelenHong. She is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. Funny Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. Uh, that just leaves me to thank Jamie Kaler, Margaret Cho, Coach Gary Holland, Gary Griffin, Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Erica Averill did. She said, met this dude in person. Jay Keith, cooler than I thought he'd be. <laughs> wow. She also posted the review twice, so thanks, Erica Averill. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. Dave McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Ken Phillips, Jason Russell of Springs Valley High School, Michelle Swanee, Matt Henderson, Cody Lawrence, CJ Miller, Mike Avianos, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Velada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch Full House. Hey, it's Jay Keith again. Here's a little bit of what you're going to hear on the next episode of Go Fact Yourself. It's Mindy Sterling. Mindy Sterling. Hi, Mindy. Have a seat Hi, right Mindy. there. You've actually been nominated for two Emmys, but in a very interesting category. Well, it was for a, I don't know, what category was it? So I believe it was short form. Short form. So it was like there were five women, and I was two of them. Oh, oh you're, in other words, you got, you got two nominations the same year. In that same, yes, oh, I in didn't the know same that. category. You were competing against yourself? So I competed against myself and lost. Oh, no. <laughs> That's Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday here at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.